Hello and welcome to the Leading the Line podcast. Chris here, I hope you are doing well and of course staying safe. Um, and we are back once again with another podcast looking at the SWPL action and a little bit of Champions League. And of course I'm also joined by my good friend, my my brother in SWPL arms, the, play, the person who... After a question by the Rangers media team last weekend, we couldn't figure out the last time we'd seen each other, but we did that, that last Sunday. Uh, Campbell Ferguson, Campbell, how are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm all right, Chris. I think the real question tonight is, how are you after your party? I, I, I'm all right, mate. I'm all right. Uh, <laughs> for anybody who's listening to this, uh, I had my work Christmas Zoom, because everything, everything's on Zoom just now before we recorded this tonight. So I've had a couple of glasses of wine, but it's all good. I'm still hosting it. If Campbell was hosting it, then you know it would have gone really badly, but it's, it's fine. Mm-hmm. I'm still here, so it's all good. Um, yeah, so we're going to talk about, obviously, the SWPL primarily, but I think before we get into that, uh, we're recording a little bit later this week because we thought it's probably going to be the last one before the SWPL returns in January, so we thought we'd cover off the Champions League and the SWPL. So let's talk about the Champions League last night. Um, we're recording on Thursday. Um, Glasgow City now, Sparta Prague won. It was, uh, I think it was probably a difficult night for Glasgow City. Um, neither of us were there. I watched from home. It's been a long week hence the Zoom work party tonight. Uh, one nil Sparta Prague. I mean, the, the, the goal that they lost, uh, Nicole Robertson playing the ball back and uh, Martin Nikova capitalising really well taken. From there, City didn't trouble that much. Although there was, I think, probably in terms of the first half, Campbell, the most pivotal moment outside of the goal, which I'll ask you about first of all. But then obviously the, the event that happened after it, where probably what would have won the goal of the tournament come the end of the season um, was ruled out. Uh, it was a good goal to give away, really, for City. I mean, it's it's a simple pass for Nicole Robertson and then doesn't it make a great finish when, when it gets to the striker. But City will be kicking themselves, especially when you're, you're having to chase chase the game before he even kicked off and then he'd lose a goal like that that early. Doesn't he help you? And then as you've said, it's a great strike for Tyler Toland and it's just really unfair that the referee's get a free kick. I mean, the Cole Robertson's been filled with a cell and then kind of losing her balance and bangs into the Sparta player who kind of throws a cell as well. It was, it was harsh. Great strike, but to disallow it, is, it was quite a, a strange decision. And then... After that, you kind of get the feeling it was not going to be City's night. Obviously, got the penalty late on that they missed as well, and that just kind of kind of sum things up. Um, and in the end, it'll be really disappointing for them, given how they've got on in previous years and the hopes we'd have had to have done that again. Yeah, I mean, I think in the post match, it was it was telling that they talked about the fact that I think it was here, Lord, and Leandro said post match and reason there was different topics brought up, which we'll, we'll talk about, of course. Um, but I think it was telling that the, the feeling that they didn't trouble the Sparta keeper enough. Um, came to the phone. I think that's that's probably fair because I think you're right in saying once that goal went in, I didn't I didn't feel I thought City started pretty well. Um, they maybe didn't create very much, but I thought they kind of started on the front foot and kind of were pushing towards the Sparta goal. But that as soon as that goal went in, I just I didn't feel it. You know, sometimes when you watch a game of football, you feel like this is this is going to happen, and I didn't really feel it uh, in the, in that game. Uh, into the second half, and City kind of obviously chasing a goal, uh, made some changes. Uh, and there was a couple of chances. Jenna Clark had Heather Claire Shine had a really good chance. And then the spot arrived player, uh, if I get this right, fair play to me, uh, after three or four glasses of wine, <laughs> Nepakoyova uh, was sent off for a second yellow card. Not really sure what happened at the time, Campbell, but seems like there was stuff going on uh, after listening to some of the post match interviews. And then, yeah, I think the big chance for me is obviously the penalty you mentioned. It looked like a pretty, pretty straightforward penalty decision in terms of the award. Nobody really protested about it from the Czech side. Um, Leandro stepped up, 
personally, I don't know about your thoughts, it wasn't the best penalty in the world, it was well saved, but that was City's chance with kind of five minutes to go, and as soon as that was missed, you kind of knew that was it. Aye, I mean, the keeper stood off-centre and gave Leanne Ross that massive part of the goal to aim for, and then she's put it absolutely nowhere near the corner, and the keeper's obviously got to it, but it was, it was a poor penalty, it's a perfect height. And I just kind of summed up City's night, I think, as we've said there, obviously, when you're you're chasing that game and you're needing two goals just to get to extra time. And that gives you a, a slight bit of hope and then it's taken away from you because you can't finish it. I, it, it, it. I think we all knew it was probably done a long time before then, but that just sort of confirmed it. And in the end, City obviously couldn't get back in. I mean, as we've, we've seen it full-time, we'll get to, there's, there's more things they were annoyed about, but they simply just didn't create enough and take the chance that they did create, and they will be really disappointed with themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I think the big thing will be the fact that they didn't create enough chances, and then, as you say, the chances they did to create, they didn't, they didn't take at the time. But uh, what came out kind of post-match, and obviously watching and watching it from the te- on the telly at home, um, it just didn't really come across uh, when watching it live. But one of the first things Leanne Ross has talked about, the fact there's a few spitting incidents, uh, which has now been reported to the match delegate, I believe, um, for reading the kind of things post-match. Not not great. Uh, I kind of said after the match that Sparta Prague had done something that you don't see a lot of uh, in women's football. And I'll try and keep this PG, because I know we always try and keep the podcast PG, Campbell. Um, but uh, they, um, they ground it out in a... Uh, industrial fashion how's that is that better than what I would normally say <laughs> in terms of how mm. they got the result but it's also been that little kind of sounds like there's been that undertone of nastiness to it I prefer just saying shithouse like we said before we started recording but it was <laughs> uh, do you know what I'll, was, just, was, I'll just put an E on the podcast it's fine we'll be cool Carry on. <laughs> it was one of them where one of the first things Leanne Ross has said and it's a little bit of anger turn well, no doubt angered the City players. Um, Jenna Clark and Lee Alexander were the two on TV at the end who seemed to be talking to a delegate and reporting to someone. As we've seen, obviously, it's shouldn't be spitting on anybody anywhere. Obviously, it's not a nice habit to have, and especially not aiming at a person in a game where, in the end, you're pretty comfortable winners. It's, it's just bad gamesmanship, really, for the players if, if they have done it. And I mean, just saying that it's, it's not something that City would make up you when they think. And you've obviously seen how seriously the players are moaning about it at the end. It's, it's obviously happened. and it's not nice. It was. It wasn't great, and it's something that Sparta and/or their players should really be punished for. But it doesn't take away for the fact really that on the night, City only good enough. Yeah, and I mean, I think, yeah, whatever's happening, that I'm sure that will get investigated, and the outcome of that, well, I'm sure we'll find out in due course. But uh, I think it does come back to the fact that on the night they they couldn't get the job done, City. And well, I mean, what's your thoughts in terms of last? I mean, I think the thing with Sparta Prague is that it's not like Sparta Prague were a team City should have been unequivocally expected to beat. Sparta Prague are a, a decent side. We talked about the level of the Czech League at the moment, especially when you think about how Hibs failed against Slavia Prague the season before. Sparta Prague are a full-time team as well. Um, is the last 32 for City in the Champions League par? Is that is that kind of the expectation? And I suppose the question on the back of that is, given to the game we're about to go and talk about, um, are they... Are they in, is this could this be the last time we see City in the Champions League for a season or two? Mm, I mean, they've reached quarterfinals twice, so maybe from the fact that obviously they've just been there, they maybe looked to go on another round further to sort of last sixteen. But the quality of football is improving across Europe, and Sparta, as you've seen, are obviously another very good side. And 
it was one the way I sort of will feel they could have got through, but obviously with the changes in their squad in recent weeks and players have had missing and other results that have kind of happened to them, it's, it's maybe not surprising that this is where the, the journey ended for them. Um, it's a tough one. Like we've all spoke about it for ages ever since sort of the announcements at Rangers and Celtic about like they're moving professional and what have you. And they're obviously going to improve and we'll get to Sunday's game. We've seen that one side in particular really has improved and if City, who've got three games without a win for the first time in 10, 15 years, I think, um, to do that, there's there's definitely the chance that confidence could be affected as we're saying missing players. Yes, they've got a break and hopefully got another couple in that could improve it. I wouldn't, you're never going to write them off. Obviously, we've seen how they've dominated Scottish football, so there's still the chance that they could be in Europe again, but as you're saying, with other things that happening, potentially it could be. I don't want to say yes or no because it literally could still anything could happen but there's definitely that worry for City that they'll maybe start to slip away slightly No, absolutely and I think the thing as well is there's two Champions League spots and we're about to come into a big break in the season as well so in those six weeks, six weeks anything could happen in that regard but um, yeah so the, the European adventure is over for, for this season for Glasgow City let's Let's transition to the league then in the game that happened before this Champions League game, uh, the top of the table clash with Rangers on Sunday at Broadwood. Uh, we were both there, Campbell, um, as I kind of alluded to at the start of the podcast. Uh, good to see your actual face, uh, which was nice. Um, Glasgow City now, Rangers 5. Um, I, th- I thought Glasgow City started well and kind of retained possession, but didn't offer much. But I don't know about you, Campbell, but as soon as Rangers went one up, I didn't really feel like it was going to go any other way. No. Um, again, like last night, they weren't really creating anything. As you said, even when they had the ball, they, they didn't really do anything early on. The and then, I mean, Megan Bell scored, what, 19 minutes in? It's it's still early that you're going to get back into a game. But as you say, City never looked like they would. And, and Rangers were breaking through the middle of them far too easily. It was really comfortable for them in a game that we'd looked at as obviously the top two at the time. It could be a real tight one. In the end, City were just really disappointing far too easy for Rangers they were very clinical right enough to be fair some, some good goal scored but it was it was just far too easy for them they were breaking through the middle with ease really I mean even the second goal again where um, Nicola Doherty's busting the left tons of room to come across the balls and dummies for Kirsty Howitt to score Kirsty's then got one as well was simply just turned on the halfway line and then Zoe Ness has got again acres of space to run into it was the defending was really poor and I think Leanne Ross said that to us after the game it was far far, far too easy for Rangers, and in the end, they were well deserving of what was a, a really comfortable afternoon. Yeah, I mean, I think that was the two things that stood, especially in the first half. Those are the two the thing that stood out to me was how clinical Rangers were being, but also kind of how straightforward it was for them. I mean, Megan Bell did well to kind of control the ball and cut inside, and it was a nice finish for her. And as you mentioned, like Kirsty Howitt, a good finish after a step over from Zoe Ness. But I think that third goal, where it was good work from Kirsty Howard and Halfway Line. It was a really good ball, but I was, especially from where, where you're sitting in the main stand at Broadwood, Zoe Ness appeared to have absolute acres, and it must have been a real worry to see that. And then you kind of got in a, kind of happened just before half time. So you got in at 3 0 down at half time, and you thought, well, you know what, it's still City. You never, you never quite know, but the instinct is it's kind of done. And then they scored a fourth goal, uh, Campbell, quite soon after half time. Um, Brogan Hay came on as a halftime substitute for Zoe Ness. Um, good work by her in the wing. But I think the thing about that fourth goal was that fourth goal felt almost... It was a good goal for, from a Rangers perspective, but it was also a really poor goal from Glasgow City. It was one of those goals where it looked really good, but actually, once you broke everything down, Rangers just kind of like 
almost walked their way to goal. Um, it wasn't like they were doing a lot of pressing or a lot of pressure on it. It was it was really slack and it was a good goal, but City would have been really disappointed with it. And obviously the fifth goal as well, not great in terms of how it's come about. A bit of a calamity of errors in the goal line. It's kind of pops in maybe off Carly Jerusalem. Everybody's given her credit for that. And I think that's what we should do as well. Um, yeah, it was just really flat from City, kind of throughout, I thought. I mean, you think you'd say for, for the first four goals, really, they were all just they're good goals for Rangers' point of view, but for City, they'll look at it and think, that's we've just let them do that. We've not put any tackle and we've not really stopped them. I mean, Brogan Hay, obviously, is a player that is always dangerous down the right and coming off at half-time, eh, coming on at half-time, sorry, you're thinking, obviously, 3-0 down, you know who to watch for, but again, she's a player that you also need to watch for and she just come in far too easy down the, down the right-hand side and then they cross it in the middle again and Lizzie Arnott's in between the defenders. It was just... Just all around, it was far too easy for Rangers. Um, I said, as you said, they did that wee spell at the start where they were kind of keeping the ball well, but the first goal killed it, and they never, they never looked confident at all. They were kind of arguing with each other, and it, it just didn't feel like a Glasgow City performance. And it's, it's kind of worrying for them. Obviously, we know how much they've controlled Scottish football for all this time, and of course they'll welcome the challenge. But it's certainly more of a challenge when you're getting beat five nothing at home, and it's a result that's obviously right in the middle of another two defeats that Scott Booth will he will worry about it slightly. I don't think it'll be too he won't worry too much, but there'll definitely be something inside him that maybe he won't see it outwardly everyone, but he'll definitely be he'll have that slight worry that things could go wrong for them and he'll hope to change that after after them um, they come back from a mid season break. Yeah, I mean City are a, a side that win things. They are built on winning. I think you could see on Sunday what it what it meant to them not to win, um, especially as you kind of alluded to, especially just before half time, where there seemed to be a bit of agitation on the part that was kind of manifesting itself in a few, few wee things. But yeah, they're built on winning, and this is not something they're used to, which is what Leanne Ross kind of talked about after the game, and they, they want to do better than that. But I think for me, the big walk away wasn't it wasn't so much that Glasgow City were poor, but actually the Rangers project, let's call it that, Campbell at the moment is. Finally, after kind of a lot of talk about the investment in it, it finally seems to be all coming together. And with the three players coming over from Glasgow City, the return to fitness of Megan Bell, freeing up Lizzie Arnott, they looked really good on Sunday. Uh, for me, I don't know what you thought, but I thought they looked like the best team in Scotland for the first time in a while. I mean, they, they had the headlines and then... Never seem to click. They were winning games, but maybe not great, and they've lost obviously a couple in that time as well. So to come out and then dominate the last two games, it seems to be obviously that the four players that we've mentioned there, obviously the three coming in for City and then Megan Bell, perhaps mentioned as well. They're, they're so crucial to how the Rangers team will set up and how they want to play their football, and that's what fourteen goals in two games without a reply, where they're really beginning to click, and the break maybe comes at a bad time for them, but given that time we each other to work on it for coming back after after January. Um, teams will worry about playing them and you can see why because when you're, you're smashing the team that's been the runaway champions for so many years, you have you have to be looked out for and I, I really fancy Rangers to go in and to push ahead and you still have to fancy them to be favourites for the title. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the kind of performance that definitely merits that, that kind of prediction. Uh, I think the other thing to bear in mind, and I wrote about it for the site, so go have a read about that, but it's also been the, the culmination of a lot of work on the kind of defensive rigidity. And for me, Brianna Vesterup has maybe been the low-key signing of the season because she has brought 
a level of calmness to an SWPL defence that you don't always see. Um, so, yeah. But, yeah, I think, obviously, great result for Rangers. It means they go top of the table. Only on goal difference to Glasgow City. So it's not a case of this is a, a game-changing result in terms of the league table at the moment, but a very interesting few weeks uh, at the top end of the table, which we'll get to a little bit in a, in a wee bit. But let's move a little bit further down the table. And I thought it was probably the second most interesting tie of the game, uh, the weekend in SWPL1, which is Hibernian against Forfar Farmington. Hibs obviously coming in the back of four defeats, including that that last-minute uh, defeat against Hearts. And Forfar obviously coming in off the 2-2 draw against Celtic. But it looks like it was fairly routine um, for Hibs, uh, Campbell. A 3-0 win and all goals coming in the first half from Lee, Eddie, Siobhan Hunter and Carla Boyce. A really important win for Hibs this one. I definitely it was perfect reaction to Hibs obviously at their derby defeat and then it was a game where we probably expected it to be a wee bit tighter but those three first half goals really just seemed to blow for for a minute and away. It's been three goals in pretty much 15 minutes and when you've got a lead like that as we saw with Rangers it ends up being pretty comfortable and for I mean obviously we didn't see the game but it doesn't seem to be a case of Forfar were really close to them and obviously they've made it tough for them. We've seen improvements with Forfar, but it's a game where with the form they've been on and then you look at the form Hibs have been on, they'd have fancied taking something from it and I think Hibs have maybe just caught them by surprise that they've really bounced back properly from the poor games they've had and it's it's an emphatic win and one that really does help them. Given obviously just kind of getting that bit of confidence back because it clearly had taken a dent with some of the defeats they've had in previous weeks. So perfect afternoon really for, um, for Dean Gibson. Yeah, and uh, this game was streamed live as well, which was cool to see. Um, but yeah, I think for me, it was a result that Hibs needed. I think if they hadn't won, it would have been it would have been a very difficult kind of interim period until the season returned in terms of kind of getting that motivation back. But uh, a really important one for them. For Forfar, I think Forfar Farmington, I think we've talked about it already, they will get good results against the better teams, but they may also have results like this. So um, not... A, not a great one for them, but I think in terms of if you were to ask of which of the two teams would probably be happier of the start to the season, it'll probably actually be for Farmington. Yeah, I mean, Forfar have been a team, as we've said, we've said numerous times this season, but they've maybe not been, they've not been at it. And then you look at the improvement to them here and they've really come on and other than the game away to City, they've, they've been in every single match and taking some, some good results. And again, they're, it's, it's one where maybe they, they, will, they will have looked at it and said, right, we can take something from this. And obviously they've come away with quite a heavy defeat, but I don't think they'll be too really disheartened with it. And there'll be a side, as we've said, that will beat teams this season. Obviously, we've seen it. Most of the results have come against sides below them, but the likes of the game against Celtic, where they were disappointed, they didn't take more from it. There's plenty of positives for Forfar, and I think they're a side that I hope they get to see as well once we come back um, in January. And they're a side that they will beat teams and they'll be interested to see how they go when they come up against the likes of Hibs and Celtic City again later on in the season. Yeah, I am absolutely, but a good result for Hibs. Uh, I think it's an important one for them as well in terms of momentum going into the into the second half of the season. Well, second half slash second two-thirds of the season. Um, let's stay in Edinburgh though. And there was uh, another Edinburgh derby for Hearts as they were at home to Spartans at Orion. Um, Hearts won, Spartans too. So Akeley Gibb opener, very well taken. And then Alia Tweedy scrambled equaliser. Before I've written this down, and as I said, I've written this down with wine in my body. So, but I've written this down as a 97th minute winner from the moon by Alana Marshall because the initial footage that Spartans put out, and it was good to see that Hearts had some highlights out again for this one. Um, good to see Lewis was back doing that, which is great to see. Uh, but I mean, Hearts obviously won with a last minute winner the previous week. Um, and they lost to a pretty spectacular one this week. 
they did. Um, I think we all kind of predicted the Spartans win, but a very dramatic way they got it. And I mean, all three goals, I think you look at them, both sides have been disappointed with the goals they've conceded. I mean, it's, as you love to call it, it's an SWPL goal, really, for Alana Marshall, where she just sort of hit it from some distance out. And I mean, the keeper will be disappointed that she's, she's not managed to keep it out. But at the end of the day, it's three points for Spartans. And again, these are the sort of games you'd expect them to win and keeping up their sort of their mark as being the solid SWPL one side. But in terms of Hearts, they've suddenly started improving. I don't know where these performances have come from, given the side we saw earlier on in the season. So it's good for them and the league that they're not coming in and getting hammered every week. And it looked like an entertaining end for Derby. It's never nice to lose it late, as I'm sure. I'm sure they'll know, but they can take plenty of positives from their performance as well. They'll look to build on that when they come back the second half of the season because there's definitely got some players there that we know can cause problems for other teams. Yeah, I mean, part of me wonders about the international break because if you remember at the start of the season, it wasn't very clear about what was happening with Hearts in terms of playing squad, who was in charge and that kind of thing. And I wonder if the international break has given Andy Kirk a bit of time to, to, to work with the players. Because it certainly seems from social media and if you watch the, the documentary on Hearts and BBC, it certainly seems like the players were, were bought in to, to him as coach. And I just wonder if maybe that's that little bit of extra time to let them kind of settle a little bit. Because as you say, they, they seem to have kind of turned in a couple of really good performances from what seemed like nowhere considering how they were getting defeated up until that point. But yeah, it'll be, it'll be disappointing for them. Spartans, I mean they they are they are the SWPL kind of mid table side. They I think if they're I think if they they probably know themselves that it'll be really difficult for them to push on any higher than that kind of fourth place ceiling. But the fact that they are still so regularly comfortable at SWPL one level um, is testament to obviously the work done at that club. Yeah, Spartans are obviously a very good, a very good club there, as you've said. And um, I mean, they maybe look to push on. They've, we've seen how Hibs have struggled in some games. We've seen how Forfar have improved, and they're both both of those sides, Spartans and Forfar, will be looking to try and push in to that four. But and maybe not, maybe not happen just now. But overall, I think they're two very solid clubs really, and both that are heading in the right direction again. There's definite improvements at them. And it will be interesting to see over the next couple of years, obviously, as other clubs are getting money put into them, are these sides going to keep being the sort of solid side at that level? So, yeah, nothing bad to say about Spartans, really, and it's a good three points for them. Yeah, absolutely. And, of course, uh, congratulations to Demi McCulloch and Katie Riley. Um, if you want a little bit of heartwarming Christmas content, then go and have a wee look at the Spartans Twitter feed. Um, Wishing you all a happy life together, which is uh, great to see. Uh, let's move on to the last game of the weekend in SWPL1. It was a game that was live on BBC uh, Scotland website, uh, Motherwell, now Celtic 5. Uh, I was watching this one before I kind of headed out to Broadwood for the, the Glasgow City Rangers game. Um, Celtic struggled for a little bit. Um, it didn't look like they were going to break them down. Sarah Ewan's missed a couple of really good chances for her that you'd expect her to put away, but... Uh, Alisa Robertson volley kind of got them on the way, and then from there, Campbell, it, it was pretty comfortable for Celtic. Yeah, five very well taken goals um, for Celtic. It's a good win, obviously, after the, the drop points last week um, against Forfar. They're looking a lot more clinical this season. Celtic were winning games in previous years when maybe not scoring too many goals, and but they look more like a side that knows how to put the ball in the net this year, and that's obviously going to help them. Um, 
Motherwell had, had improved himself in recent weeks, so to go there and hit them for five is 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 good. Obviously, a very good win. Motherwell will, will be disappointed with their kind of second half collapse, given it was nil-nil pretty much right up until half time when that first goal went in. So to lose by five, they'll be really disappointed to do that. But it's a very good performance for Celtic in the second half, and they've ended up coming out as we say, pretty comfortable winners, really. Yeah, um, they did. Uh, as I said, they created lots of chances. It just took them a while to break Motherwell down, which I think will be a little bit of a worry. Um, Fran Alonso made a few changes before the game, including bringing in Rachel Johnson, um, 16-year-old to make her debut. Uh, one of a number of players in the SWPL that are kind of from the Western Isles. It's a it's a really interesting story, that one, which you may or may not find about in the future. Uh, but yeah, a result that Celtic definitely would have needed, um, especially given, obviously, Rangers win and the fact that they, but that one means they're only two points behind in. I mean, Celtic have had a funny first half of the season, Campbell. They've obviously didn't really turn up against Glasgow City after beating them earlier in the season. Then they beat Rangers and then they dropped that point against Forth for Farmington. It still feels like there's a little bit of growing pains going on with Celtic as part of their evolution as a side. Of course, I mean, there will be, we've seen it with Rangers as well, who, as we mentioned, kind of were winning but not setting anything really alight and then Celtic themselves have, have been solid without really being great but there's definite improvements for them there on Sunday and a bit like Rangers as we've said they'll take that time to gel they're beginning to get to know each other's game a lot better and they've had some some heavy eh, some heavy victories in the last few weeks and again they're another team that probably this break is coming at the wrong time for them with hope to keep that momentum going but at the end of the day it's, just, it's a good performance a great three points, and they'll hope to bounce in to continue that form. Sorry, after uh, after Christmas. Yeah. So in terms of the SWPL one table as it stands, top of the table are Rangers on eighteen points, um, along with Glasgow City, uh, and then second is Celtic on sixteen points. He says without actually looking at it, but I'm pretty sure that's right. Uh, and then obviously the rest of the teams kind of further a little bit further behind uh, in that respect. But um, yeah. Uh, I think it's been a pretty competitive start to the, the SWPL1 season. I'm looking forward to see how it evolves uh, in 2021. Yeah, it's good to have a challenge at this time of the season, as we've said, City are usually in control. So to have Rangers pushing them all the way with Celtic not far behind, it's definitely good for for, um, for the league and then the likes of Hibs forward from Spartans in behind. And even have some other ones showing certain improvements. It's, it's good and it should make for a competitive second half of the season absolutely and speaking of competitive Campbell let's get in about SWPL2 because it's always competitive down there although the first game we're going to start with was maybe the, the least competitive of the weekend um, Kilmarnock at home to Aberdeen uh, I mean Campbell 5-0 for Aberdeen uh, Carrie Doig Francesca Ogilvy Bailey Hutchison's 14th goal of the season scoring at 1.4 goals per game she scores Aberdeen don't lose Lauren Gordon and uh a really good goal from Jess Broderick. That part of this result looks more and more like a, a small blip uh, when you look how they bounce back from that one. Definitely. I mean, it's another impressive win for a team that at the minute are pretty much runaway leaders. I mean, quite a lot of penalties, obviously, but real crushing second-half performance and one where they've deserved the three points. You mentioned Jess Broderick's goal, obviously got the plaudits, but Bailey Hutchinson's for me is a sensational goal number four. It's a great turn from her and then just to pass the ball into the corner pretty much is, is a fantastic finish. Um, I mean, these penalty rules where the keeper coming off the line it hampered Scotland in the World Cup and it, it does, it's, it's so much in favour of the forward. I, I don't get it. Really. I don't see 
why they have to stop it, but it's happened in this case and trouble harshly against Morgan Hunter. But in the end, again, as we've said with Kilmarnock in recent weeks, as much as they're having these bad luck stories, they're still conceding far too many goals. And it's great for Aberdeen, but for Kilmarnock, it's, it's definitely a worrying, worrying thing that they'll need, they'll need to change. But I mean, there's obviously no disgrace in going down to Aberdeen, as we've seen with the amount of goals they're scoring, the wins they've picked up. So it's great for them, but it's for Kelly's, I'm sure we'll get to it again there. They just need to be, be a, wee, a wee bit careful. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right about the penalty as well because, as is often the case when a penalty gets retaken, the second time round, Morgan Hunter just didn't really know what to do because um, the penalty was quite close to her, but because she was so focused on sticking on her line, she didn't really have a chance to get, get anywhere kind of near it. But yeah, um, uh, a poor run of, run of form for Kilmarnock kind of going into the, the winter break, which will be a little bit worrying. They've obviously had some players missing, um, but I think it'll be concerning the fact that they they seem to be conceding a lot now and, and not scoring very many at the moment. Definitely. I mean, that's, that's what, four games now out of goal. So, I mean, there's plenty to work on for them, but I've went on about other teams that maybe wouldn't they want the break, I think, for Kilmarnock. They're a side that could probably do with the break. Like, just kind of time to regroup and I think kind of sort things out. The players and themselves know they haven't been up to up to the standards that they, can, they know they can reach. So a break will probably do them good. Just kind of get back in, work, come what they need to and sort themselves out and they hope to bounce, they bounce back uh, again when they come into the new year because it's, it's I mean there's been games where they've, they've maybe not played too badly but they keep then losing late goals and they're losing easy goals it's, it's too easy for a lot of teams to score against them and I don't know where that's come from because as we said they've always been a side that have been fairly solid obviously they're missing uh, Lauren McGregor and I mean Morgan Hunt is a good goalkeeper but in Lauren McGregor I think they probably get the best in the league so they have her missing it's certainly going to play a part in it, but the goals of the say they're losing, it's it's poor for Kilmarnock and they'll know themselves that they need to sort it and hopefully they can do once they come back. Yeah, it just seems to have gone a little bit awry at both ends at the moment for them. I mean, they've only scored five goals this season. Western Southern Uni have only managed a point. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think that the break will definitely come at a good time in terms of a bit of regrouping. But Aberdeen, nine wins from 10, 43 goals scored. <laughs> it still feels a little bit of a juggernaut, but... I think there's been a, a feeling that with Aberdeen, where they're located in terms of being very high up north and the fact that they, up until recently their fixtures were hard to kind of come by, they had a lot of an element of surprise. It'll be really interesting to see how, how that kind of develops in the second part of the season. But yeah, they are currently seven points clear uh, at the top of the table. And in second place are Dundee United, Campbell, who after a pretty average start, I think it's probably a, a fair word for it, They've had a really good run of form and another win at the weekend beating Burnamere Thistle 2-1 um, an early goal from Steffi Simpson. Uh, Brogan Anderson getting the equaliser for Burnamere and then a late Robin Smith goal who's been on an excellent run of form recently um, to kind of get another win for United and they've, they've had a really good run of form um, and it feels like it's, I know we've talked about the pros and cons of a break but I think for United it feels like the break might not make too much of a difference because this one is because players started coming back and obviously Dan McGinley's coming back into the side as well. Um, good result for United in terms of kind of keeping ahead of the game in that, that race for the promotion. United were the same last year where they, they started really slow and kind of built their way up and obviously ended up finishing third. And the last few games, again, they're, they're winning things. I mean, they're, they're strengthening their grip on second place and winning when not playing well. As we keep getting told each week and what we've seen, they haven't maybe been on great form, but they're picking up points and they're scoring goals and when you're doing that despite not playing well that is definitely a good sign um, 
it's tough conditions from what we've seen and heard as well for that game. And then Brunson, they quite open at Megatland, and obviously it was wet and windy and just just horrible conditions to be playing football in. And United have done well to grind out to grind out um, three points already. They grind out three points. It was maybe some scrappy goals, but that doesn't really make a difference. If you're picking up three points, that's all you can ask for. And it was a big win for them, given Thistle, Aberdeen and Aki's also picked up points. So United will be pleased with it. And as you say, I don't think the break for them maybe should make too much difference because they're bringing in these players that they have had missing. And even without them, they're winning these games. So it's there's plenty to be positive, positive about um, for Dundee United. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I mean, for Birmingham Thistle, I think it's interesting how perception plays into how well you think this club are doing because they're on the same number of points as come on just now. They're a place ahead in goal difference. But I think if you were to ask most people, they would say that Birmingham have had a, a a decent start to the season after a very tricky one where they obviously lost heavily to Aberdeen. But uh, it's kind of been narrow losses now. They've been picking up the odd win. Uh, it feels like Birmingham have settled in to SWPL too. And yeah, they have nine points and they're in eighth place. But I think a lot of people kind of coming into this season thought they would struggle a lot. And it's good to see that they, they've kind of rose to the challenges as the season's evolved. And it's quite interesting. That's when you put it like that and you kind of compare them to Kelly, who they're on the same amount of points. But come on, like we've seen, obviously, have been at this level for a good few years and are a team that we expect kind of to be either where they are or slightly above. And then bottom you're coming up, you think, right, a newly promoted team maybe struggle so to look at them and say they've had a good season and then look at Kelly and say they've had a poor season despite the fact they're on the same point it's um it's kind of strange obviously you'll get that from the way you look at different sides but Burnham have picked up some good wins in recent weeks as well and we're unlucky in the end to lose to United on Sunday um from the highlights that we've seen but there's, there's plenty of positives for them to take as well and then on the other side that I think some, some interesting signings coming in and they're kind of getting used to playing at this level they should do well I think in the second half of the season yeah, very excited to see how that breaks down. Let's move on to the team in third place, which is Hamilton Ackies, who travelled to the Ganaki to play Stirling Uni. And I think it was probably the best depiction of what the weather conditions were like on Sunday when you watched the footage back um, from Ackies uh, Women's Football TV. Because I think it was like that everywhere, but there seemed to be a special kind of wind and rain uh, going up on up at Stirling. And it was a, a tough game for Ackies. Um, they, they took an early lead through Josie Giard and um, obviously... You would think at that point that they would they would kind of go on and, and win the game, but still equalised. Aki's got up again, and then there was another still equalised, so it was two each at half time. And it wasn't until a couple of late goals, one of them being a penalty for Aki's, which sounds like the Stirling bench weren't happy about. Um, I couldn't, I don't know if don't if you, I know you like zooming in at quarter speed and stuff like that, Campbell, but I couldn't see a, a good view on it to find out whether there was a harshness or not in the decision, but um. Uh, a bit more struggle for Aki's, I think, either of us were expecting on, on Sunday. Um, aye, they're, uh, they've not been great this season, Aki's, we've said, obviously, but there's, there's been those signs of improvement in the last few weeks where they're maybe beginning to turn the corner back to the side we're used to seeing and then you score that early, you're thinking, right, it's going to be comfortable for them and then still and obviously will take a few minutes themselves to get back into it. A crazy start, really, and a bit like the United one it was a game where the weather was never going to be great for either side but there was some good goals in it and in the end Aki's two fairly late goals really to get their um, to kind of put that bit of gloss on the scoreline but it certainly didn't seem like it was as easy as the scoreline suggests um, I watched these highlights on Tuesday so I'm trying to remember back to the penalty 
think under nine were right at the time. We were saying it was a bit harsh. I think their penalty against Queen's Park last week was also a bit harsh. But they've got it, and then Joseph Gia had scored it, and obviously Williams then got a fourth goal late on to just kind of kind of confirm their their victory. But I think really the two sides need to both be credited for for putting on the game they did and the conditions that were there. Um, but aye, it's it's a good win for Aki's really three points is all they really have they have wanted from that game on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, it's been a, a funny old first part of the season for Aki's because I uh, I think we both said that they haven't really hit form, but they are only a point behind the promotion places. I think if you were to ask them, they would probably want to be a lot closer to Aberdeen uh, than they are. But given how Aberdeen have played so far in this first half of the season, are they should they be content with where they are given how they performed themselves at the start of the season. It's a, it's a hard one to judge for Aki's considering how for a lot of te- a lot of site a lot of people, sorry, they were probably the favourites going into this season. Well when they look at the way they've played and they, they haven't been they've not been up to the standards that Aki's are used to. So to be as close to the R as you say to the United in, in second, they'll be happy enough with that. But I think if you ask any of them really, they'll not be content with the season because Aki's themselves you saw how close they were to going up last year. And again, as you said, they were picked out as sort of the favourites. They've got that themselves. And now they'll be kind of maybe, I, I don't know, but they'll maybe be thinking kind of, right, we need, we need to be a bit more realistic here about where they are in terms of, obviously, Aberdeen being ahead of them is first achievable. Of course, it is. Anyone still could get there, but it would require some collapse for Aberdeen because they don't really look, other than that official game, like they're going to lose many goals at all. So for Aki's, though, it's kind of hard to judge. They'll be pleased that they're, they're still in, in, in touch, but they'll hope to be a wee bit higher up and we certainly be more points at this stage in the season. Yeah, and I mean, for Southern Uni, we we suspected it might be tough for them coming down to SWPL2. There's always this idea of momentum in terms of form, but it's been really tough for them. They're obviously still looking to recruit a new head coach. Um, one point from 10 games. They're eight points behind Burramir and Kelly. There's obviously the relegation playoff in play, though who knows what's happening with that at the moment, given obviously what's happening in the league's below and, and the non-return to action. It's uh, It's been tough for Southern Uni, and at the moment, there's been the odd shoot that maybe things will get better, and then it seems to be a result for always the following week, and you feel like this is kind of their lot for the season. And I think they're a bit like Hearts in that respect, that they've been showing these signs of improvement, but the difference with Hearts is they've picked up a win that Sterling haven't in, in separate leagues, obviously, but they're ultimately just not quite there. New manager could make a difference. Um, obviously, we don't really know what's went on behind that, but the players have been playing with a wee bit more freedom in the last few weeks, and as much as they've lost that, they were intact with Aki's and levelling the game until pretty much a quarter an hour ago. So they'll take plenty of positives from it, but they know themselves it's going to be it's going to be a hard um, a hard season for them. It has been. I think the rest of it will be too, but there's positives there that they look to build on, but it's it's going to be tough. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's move on to the last two games then. Uh, let's start at New Tinto Park. Uh, Glasgow Women 4, part of this Glasgow Women 1, part of this of 4 even. <laughs> there you go, the wine's just a bit deeper in there. <laughs> um, four first half goals for Thistle Mean. It was pretty straightforward. I think this one was going on as I was either watching, I was watching the, the Motherwell Celtic game, uh, four goals, a double for Cheryl Rigdon, one of them particularly well taken, a clear dock at your goal, I think she's maybe one of the most 
underrated players in SLPL too, for my money. And I go from Taylor McGlash. I mean, four and a half time, Campbell. You didn't really see it going any other way. Glasgow even got a consolation through Siobhan Honeyman, but um, good result for part of this all. And um, it's been a, a little bit of a disappointing run for Glasgow women, kind of going into the Christmas period. There had been, I mean, Thistle, particularly United, they're also a good run. Difference to Thistle is they're playing with confidence and it's an emphatic win for them, obviously, on Sunday. Um, I mean, the first goal straight from a corner, so there'll be a bit of luck with some of them, but overall, they were fully deserving of it. And, I mean, obviously, we saw them against Aberdeen to, to win the way they did. We know that they can they can provide it. They've made some good signings. They've got some good players already there as well. And they're a team that, a bit like United, can they go about their business without being noticed too much, so... They'll be happy with that, but they're climbing that table and they're, they're still obviously right in amongst it there. Um, Glasgow women, I don't know what's happened to them. I mean, I saw them against Kilmarnock um, the other week there when they obviously lost that game, but had pretty much all the ball, but never looked like scoring. And from the early part of the season, we'd seen them where they looked anytime they went forward like they were going to get a goal. The fact they seem to suddenly lack that, I don't really know what's happened. Um, so they, they want to fix that on Sunday, obviously, St Johnston. I decide that the look at has been one they can beat, but they can also move joint third. So it's it will be an intriguing game and it's one there that they will look to take three points with being at home, St. Johnson having to travel down, but it's it's something that's got to be fixed, I think, because there's definitely the potential in that squad there and the fact they're not kind of providing that just now is not gonna be worrying for them, but it's something they'll, they'll maybe need to keep an eye on. Yeah, and I mean, they've obviously recruited more as well. We've, we've talked about Chloe Nicholson coming in goal and Rosie McQuillan signed from, from Rangers as well. So they are they are making moves to boost the squad. For Thistle, um, up and down, I think it's fair. They are obviously in that group of kind of in that chase for second at the moment behind Aberdeen on the same number of points as Hamilton Ackies. Important win for them going into the, the back end of the season after a run of, they kind of had a, a slow start similar to Dundee United. Uh, had a really good run of form, then had that result against obviously Muir the other week, and it was important for them to kind of round off uh, this part of the campaign with a win, looking for a bit of momentum when the, the season comes back. I definitely, I mean, United and Thistle have got so many similarities really between how their seasons seem to go, having both come up, both kind of were slow starters and came back on it, finished high up the table and I'm doing the same again. It's but it's, it's a really good win because obviously, I mean, we saw him a couple of weeks ago only, only just sneaking by Glasgow in 1 0. So to go away and before the four goals up in 43 minutes, you can't really ask for much more than that. And again, obviously, the new coaches and things coming in, it takes just time to sort of get to know the squad. But there's definitely those signs there that Thistle are maybe hitting top form and a bit like kind of the teams in and around them. It's going, to be, it's going to be a case of keeping that up. And if all four can, it's, it's going to be really intriguing to see how the top end of that table um, ends up, especially when these sides come up against each other. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm particularly looking to see when those sides come up against each other because they, so far I've always proven to be really tight contests. Even, even if you think about the Aberdeen game, it's not like any of those ones have really been uh, a walkover for Aberdeen. And in fact, obviously, part of this will defeat them quite handily. Uh, last game, though, is Queen's Park now, St. Johnson 3. <laughs> Streaky form is very much the in vogue thing in SWPL to Campbell Christie. Johnson on a really good run of form at the moment, while Queen's Park haven't won in the last four. Uh, a double for Rachel Todd, um, kind of stand out for, for Saints in that game, uh, along with a, a goal from Hannah Clark in the 83rd minute. Um, good run for St. Johnson, poor run for Queen's Park. That's that's kind of what I've got this down to at the moment. I don't really disagree, to be honest, Queen's Park. Um, I say went the four games unbeaten. And then I've, I've not won 
in their last four. St Johnston had that great start of the season, went to Aberdeen, took a kind of heavy defeat, and then never looked like doing much else in the next few weeks. But it's back to back wins over Queen's Park that definitely boosted their confidence. And as we're saying, the Glasgow women not playing with confidence. We'll look at St Johnston as a game they can win, whereas St Johnston coming down to Glasgow full of confidence. We'll look at it as well. They can win. So again, it'll be, it will be a really good game on Sunday. And I think St Johnston will be confident of ending um, this part of the season on a high because, like you say, Two wins against St. Johnson, six goals scored, and then conceded. It's there's definitely lots of positives there, and I'm looking forward to seeing them again on Sunday. I think they'll they'll all come down here and look to play play football. We know they're a side that can do, and it's then going to be a case of can they do that consistently enough to try and challenge for a, a spot in the top half. Yeah, I mean, if they win their game in hand, they go on level points with Aki's and Partick Thistle as well. So. Big game on Sunday. I think I'm going to head down purely because I've not seen St. Johnson in the flesh this season and what else is there to do at the moment except try and get to the football. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. But uh, overall, SWPL2, last season it was really competitive. This season it's really competitive. It's still the most entertaining league. One of the most entertaining leagues in the country, not just in women's football, just in general, can be. It is. It was one we knew was going to be tight, but some of the results we've seen have just been mental, really, and it's there's some really good players and some really good sides in there, and, but even then, again, they're not always guaranteed to win, so you're always going to get in the entertainment. There's never really any sort of any guarantee that a certain team is going to win, so that, that always makes it exciting, and hopefully that continues. Absolutely. Um, but for now, I think that wraps it up for this week. So, Campbell, this will be the last pod before, before Christmas and New Year. I think that's pretty pretty calm we can say that now so buddy thank you very much for coming on this year i hope hope it's been as enjoyable for you as it has been for me no no <laughs> no that's really good, and it's just good to feel like you're back at the football press isn't it so it's yeah. to have talked about it even if it is with yourself it's yeah. good i mean thanks for that that's two digs you got in there so well played but uh I've enjoyed your company, buddy. Um, and hopefully get to see you at Newtown to Park before the year's out. But if you have listened this year, thank you very much for listening. It's obviously been a pretty good year for us at Leading the Line in terms of growing the, the podcast and getting getting people talking about women's football in Scotland. And that's always the aim of the game. But for now, have a very Merry Christmas. Have a Happy New Year. Stay safe. Look after one another. I hope you have a wonderful time. And we'll speak to you again in 2021. Um, catch you later on. <laughs>